You know, having our uh, friends come visit us from the United States and being that they're so special to us, you know, got me thinking about how uh, I grew up in the church. And so I'd like to share a little bit of that with you. Uh, One of the great uh, blessings of the church that I grew up in was hearing and learning the truth of God's word. Uh, It was called Chinese Bible Church at that time. And so the Bible was central to everything that we did, and uh, it was very important. Our pastor was a simple but humble man. Uh, He was actually a farmer. He was actually a farmer who felt the call of God. He went to Bible school. He got his education. And then God put a vision in his heart to reach people like himself, people who were born overseas but came to the United States and grew up here. And so he and his wife dedicated themselves to the Lord. And he started a ministry where he just started taking children off the streets. And uh, I was one of those. And he invited us to his house and We would play games, he would feed us, and all kinds of things. And then, of course, he would have a service, and uh, he would have uh, share share with us the Word of God. Now, our pastor had a heart for the salvation of people and the sanctification of people. In other words, he was concerned about people coming to faith in Christ, but also living for Christ afterwards. And so his messages always kind of tended to, to, to revolve around those two themes. It was salvation and then, and then consecration. <laughs> those were, no, it didn't matter where he was in the Bible. It always ended up in those same two places. And uh, so we grew up on that uh, in the very beginning. And so, you know, he was a dear, dear pastor. And he loved us. He put up with us, all kinds of stuff. And uh, much of probably what I do today is probably a reflection of how he treated us. And uh, when we think about it, uh, he started out by giving us the milk of the word. You know, simple things like God is with us, God loves us. You know, we love to hear those kind of messages, don't we? You know, and, and we can't get enough of those. And then over time, we began to get a little uh, older in the faith. We grew in the faith. And he would start giving us uh, what you might call solid food. And suddenly, big words, big giant words like justification and words like regeneration and propitiation began to show up in his message. And we all start looking at each other and say, did you hear that? You know, what did he say? You know, and uh, we started trying to figure out all of those things for ourselves. But the one thing that our pastor would do is he always would challenge us to live, our, live out these truths in our lives in obedience and confidence in the Lord. He said, okay, you just heard this. Now go out there, you know, and live for the Lord, you know, and be more confident in doing it. And so that's how we kind of grew up. And this was a a great, great uh, foundation. So the combination of feeding from God's word, time and experience helped our relationship with Christ to deepen, to deepen. And so uh, we are so thankful for that. Now, in the same way, it's hope that this series of spiritual disciplines for devoted disciples would help all of us commit and recommit ourselves to Christ. It was very difficult at the front end to say, what? We're going to go through a so basic series like this? I mean, think about it. We got a whole church full of senior saints and we got this and that and the other, you know, and, you know, but God in his sovereignty just said, do it. Because there's so many new people in our church. There are so many people. We don't know where everybody is. So why not get everybody back on the same page? You see? And so we're going to talk about becoming a disciple-making church. So what does that involve? Well, it involves the spiritual disciplines. And so hence, this is where we are. 
And so last week, I wanted to remind you very quickly that we learned the journey to becoming a, a devoted disciple of Christ involves three things, three things. And I hope that you went home last week and some of you dared to take the challenge and do the ABCs. What were the ABCs? The first one was assessing where you are in your relationship with God. All right. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking over your shoulder. And we just challenge people. Are you one of the curious people? You're just here. You heard a little bit about Christ and you're, you're, you're just wanting to figure out a little bit more. But are you one of those who has come and you've been a while and you've convinced or you're converted? You accepted Christ as your savior. But the third one is, are you committed? Are you committed? Because you see, it's not enough that you just be convinced or converted, but you need to move on to the point of being committed to the Lord. And so we know that that was a conscious decision that has to be made by all true believers. Now, the B was believing, believing that God calls all those who are his to become uh, uh, true disciples, meaning committed disciples. Because what happens oftentimes is people say, oh, no, 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 that, that's for them. That, that's for those special people. You know, they're the ones that walk around with a halo glowing over their head. You know, they're the ones that, you know, have, they walk a little few feet off the ground and stuff like that. No, 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 no. He wants all of us to be devoted disciples, okay? Those of us who are called and who are converted and convinced. And then the last part was committing, committing ourselves to be Christ's disciple, but constantly uh, uh, committing ourselves to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow Christ. OK, and so th- these are the things we have to start somewhere. And this is as good a place as any, maybe better than most. So assessing where we are, believing that Christ has called us to be committed disciples and then literally committing ourselves to be those kinds of disciples. Now, today we want to learn the important intimate role of God's word in becoming a devoted disciple of Christ. Because, you know, without really God's word, we really know nothing about God. We know nothing from God except through his word. And so this becomes very important. And so when you look at this, there's three things that will help us in our journey to become devoted disciples. Number one is crave it. Crave God's word. Crave God's word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, in the New International Version, it reads like this. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And the word crave there is a very intense word. It's a very passionate word. It means to desire or to long for. It's, it's that having that same intensity that a baby has, a hungry baby has, as it goes after milk in order that it may grow. So crave the word of God. But then he adds in verse 3 a motivation, if you will. He says, why should you put all of this effort into craving the word of God? Verse 3, he said, because now that you have tasted the good, the Lord is good. You see, at salvation, all believers experience how gracious the Lord is to those who trust him. That's one of the hallmarks of salvation. You are overwhelmed by the love and grace of God. And you say, my goodness, how could anybody love me this much? How can anybody extend me this kind of favor? And so you're so overwhelmed by that. You say, I want more. 
I want to taste more of the goodness and the grace of God. And this comes through pursuing his word. Now, I have a little bit of experience with babies, okay? Not much, just a little bit, okay? My wife did all the heavy lifting, all right? But I do know, I do know that when they are hungry, they really go after the milk from the bottle or the breast. There's nothing more, more frightening than watching a hungry baby. Boy, they, you know, they just go after it, you know, and they don't care. You know, they don't care if mama's ready. They don't care if the bottle's ready. They just want it. And they'll let you know that, you know, and they just crave. Then once they get it, boy, you know, it just, you know, they just, they can drain a bottle in a matter of seconds if they want to. And so, and then after they, after they uh, grow up a little bit, they grow older. They go after food with greater enthusiasm as their bodies and minds grow. You know, I, I have, uh, I have 12 grandsons, okay? And so there, a lot of them are going through teenage years now. And, you know, we can't keep enough food around the house for these guys. They're like locusts, you know? I mean, they come down at the table and, you know, steak is gone. You know, <laughs> what's next? You know, this kind of thing. Because they're growing. They're growing. And they can't get enough. And they crave what they need. Well, I think I've driven the point home. Do we crave the word of God in that kind of fashion, you see? This craving will be the kind of thing that helps us to become true disciples of Christ. Every true disciple wants to be a devoted disciple starts by craving God's word. Craving God's word. Now, there's a second thing that will help us, and that is grow through God's word. Grow through it, okay? Now, it's clear from the scriptures, like Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. In the NIV, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, you don't have to sit there and pray about it. Does God want me to grow in knowledge? Does God want me to, you know, this, that, or the other? He clearly says that, that we are to do that. But how are we going to make that happen? Believers can grow by, number one, by changing their attitude. Changing their attitude. Now, I don't know, what do you mean by changing their attitude? Uh, turn with me, will you, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, starting with verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, starting with verse 11. And the first thing you notice here in verse 11 is that it is by being better prepared. And so Paul's writing to these Hebrew, uh, in, uh, to the church, and he says, concerning him, meaning Christ, we have much to say about what he was going to get into the topic of the priestly work of Jesus Christ in heaven. And this is deep stuff compared to we've got sound. I'm all set up the way I'm supposed to be. Hard to. Knew it was here for a reason. Okay, let's go to Plan B. Let's use this. Okay. All right. So, it says that you are dull of hearing, dullness toward the word, drifting from and doubting the word. 
Because we're not listening and we're not receiving and we're not acting upon it. You know, one thing as a speaker, one thing as a preacher, one thing as a, as a pastor, when you get up here, you know, I can stand on my head. I can wear, you know, I, I can wear blinking lights. I can splash a, a tremendous smile, all of these things. But you're still out there really struggling to stay alive, you know, to try to stay awake, you know. But this, this case here with the people says, I want to share with you the deeper things of God. But guess what? You're dull of hearing. You are not listening, he says. And so this is what Paul said. So be be better prepared. Be better prepared. Now, I'm not going to step on any toes, but how many of you went to bed early last night? How many of you woke up this morning refreshed and ready to come to church? Well, those of you who are still awake, you're you're struggling, all right? But, But that's what happens. Be better prepared. And then number two, found in verses 12 through 13. Being able to share spiritual truths with others, it says. Look at 12 and 13. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. And so he says, be better prepared and then be able to share spiritual truths with others. Now, the elementary principles would be what? Such as maybe perhaps the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are all great things to know and things that every every Christian ought to know and know them well. However, there's more to it than that. And he says you should be able to share those with other people. And so Paul says, I'm not sure if you're really ready for this, but he points out these things. Thirdly, in verse 14, he has a third uh, uh, element he wants to enter uh, to share. And he says, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What he is saying here is that this is this is for those people who... Uh, are skilled in applying God's word daily. And so he says, look, you should be teaching God's word. You should be sharing God's word with other people. But as far as I can see, you're not making it. You're not even applying it in your own life. You don't show much wisdom in that. You don't show much care to, to apply God's wisdom in your life, he says. And my friend, this has to change. We have to change our attitude about the word of God. We have to become prepared. We have to be willing to set ourselves to the point where we can explain things to other people. And then we have to be uh, have a track record where we're applying it in our daily life. So that's the first thing that can happen. We can grow through it by changing our attitude. Now, there's a second thing we could do. Second thing. We can grow... Uh, by changing, we can grow by appreciating all that the Word of God can do in us and to us. In us and to us, okay? Turn to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have a very, very powerful verse, very familiar verse, but nevertheless, let's take it apart. It says, starting with verse 15, he says, Verse in verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith 
which is in Christ Jesus, he says. Note, first of all, he said the sacred writings. These were set apart by God. These are the scriptures. They're set apart for God to do God's sacred things, all right? And so, uh, literally, this means sacred letters, all right? So when you and I read the word of God, we are right in touch with the heart of God. These are the sacred writings. And then look also in the second half of 15, verse 3, the sacred writings are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it is the word that leads us to salvation. Now, let me make a very maybe a technical point to some of you, but it is not the Bible that saves us. Not the Bible that saves us. We trust, we are saved by trusting in the Christ who is revealed in the Bible. Okay? All right? So there's a little bit difference there. All right? It's the, it's the Christ of the Bible that saves us. He, and so when we come to that, we say to ourselves, well, how does that happen? It happens because in the word of God, it tells us of our need of salvation and the plan for salvation. And let me take a real, real common verse that you all are familiar with. Let's say uh, John chapter 3, verse, starting with verse 16 on to 18. Notice this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And so very clearly, God's word points to Jesus Christ and said, this is God's plan for salvation. You see? It's very clearly laid out. And then... If you go over to uh, 1 John chapter 5, the word of God even tells us about the assurance of our salvation. Have you ever sat there and wondered to yourself, have you ever had someone come up to you and say, I don't feel saved? I'm not sure if I am saved and all of this kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very common question. 1 John chapter uh, 5, starting with verse 11, it says, and the testimony is this. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life, it says. And then verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. How can you and I be so confident that we have forgiveness of sin and eternal life, except that the Word of God tells us that, you see? And so the Word of God is very special, and we ought to appreciate that. It is the sacred writings. It is the one that leads us to salvation. Number three is God's Word is trustworthy. Go back to First Timothy, first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God, it says, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But if you notice here, the first part of that, it says that it is inspired by God. Literally, it means God breathed. 
Now, what does inspire mean? What does inspire mean? Um, we sort of get this idea that we carry the idea of inspire like uh, a movie producer or a writer or an author. Suddenly they're sitting there at their typewriter or their computer and they have no idea what, the, what, the, what to write about. And suddenly they get an inspiration, you know, and that, that's how we, we think. But and actually what it is, it is the Holy Spirit of God working in the minds of people using their their natural characteristics, abilities, personality, style, and what all to produce the Word of God. Each book of the Bible grew out of a special set of circumstances. How do we know this? Well, if you turn with me over to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one, verses twenty to twenty-one. But know this first of all. That no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Okay? And so some people say, well, it must be dictation. You know, God was up there speaking in some kind of megaphone, some communing somehow with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then communicates to us. No, it's not that. It's, it's not exactly like that, but it is the Holy Spirit directing people into com, uh, working and composing the Word of God. So the Word of God is sacred. The Word of God leads us to salvation. The Word of God is trustworthy. Fourthly, God's word is profitable, is profitable. I knew that word would get your attention. Hebrews chapter, uh, back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, profitable for what? Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All right? And so... And Warren Wiersbe, I was reading one of his books on Second, Tim, on Second Timothy, and he had this to say. He says, it is profitable for teaching, revealing what is right. It is profitable for reproof, revealing what is not right. It is profitable for correction, revealing how to get it right. And then, fourthly, instruction in righteousness, Revealing how to stay right. If there's anything that God's people need, isn't it? In order to grow in your faith, you need to have the teaching. You need to have the reproofing. You need to have the correcting. You need to have the instructing all going on all at the same time. And where does that come from? It comes from the word of God. All right. And so that's why it becomes so important to us. Fifthly. God's word prepares us. Verse 17. And it says, So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now there's two important words here. The first word is adequate. The word adequate. Adequate means complete, in fit shape, in fit condition. In other words, we are fitted for use by God. Sometimes we just aren't ready. Sometimes we're, we we got a long way to go, all right? But he says the word of God fits us, gets us fitted to be used by God. And then he says equipped, meaning for service. God's word gives us all that we need to live a life that pleases God and readies us to do what God has for us to do. But you see, all of this thing, 
All of this said, we need to crave God's word, right? We need to go after it with much gusto, much enthusiasm, much passion. And then number two, we need to grow through it. But it may take an attitude adjustment. It may take an attitude adjustment to be prepared, so on and so forth. But it also needs to, it also needs, we can grow by appreciating all that the word of God can do in us and for us. You see? Unless that happens. You guys, we come together here and it's a waste of your time. You know, it's a waste of our time. But you see, God's word is so, so important. This is not the only place you should get it. You should get it in Dr. P's class. You should get it in uh, SDS. You should get it in your care group. You should get it in prayer meetings. You should get it everywhere. All right? Do it daily. And so this is one of the things that can happen. But I like the last part here is that we delight in God's word. We delight in it. Well, why should we delight in God's word? Okay? Turn to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. In Psalm chapter 19, David, who wrote this, sings the praises of God's word. And the first thing he does is he gives the blessings of God's word, and then he gives the benefits of it. All right? He does those two things. So, in verse, in this passage of uh, of uh, chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 9, he goes, first of all, with the blessings of God's word. The blessings of God's word. Now, just sit back for a minute and relax and listen. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Now, I've underlined all the key words that I wanted to highlight there for you. Perfect means flawless and complete. The word restoring the soul speaks of reviving the soul, giving life to the soul. The testimonies of the Lord. That means all of Scripture tells us who God is and what he has said and done and what he wants us to be and to do. It is sure it is making wise the simple. That doesn't mean the naive, but rather those who humbly receive it. The precepts of the Lord. These are the detailed instructions concerning the practical matters of everyday life. They are right. They are result in rejoicing in the heart, it says. And then commandments of the Lord. Literally, that which is appointed. He com- God commands us what to do and he warns us what not to do. And he says they are pure and enlightening. They lead to a pure life. The fear of the Lord. Now, you might say that's an odd description for the word of God, but it is. Nevertheless, that's what it is. And we can't learn from the word of God unless the word of God, unless we reverence and respect the God of the word. He says it is clean and enduring. It is clean and enduring. And then judgments of the Lord. These are the ordinances or verdicts of the Lord. They are true. They are righteous. You know, this is so important to us. 
Because in, would you agree that in these times that we live, there is virtually a salad bowl and a buffet of items presented as right and true? How do you know what is really true? How do you know what is really right? You see? There's so many to pick from, right? According to your taste, according to your disposition, according to your, your presuppositions and all of this kind of stuff. I know I'm using big words. And all of these kinds of things, you know? And so people say, well, sera, whatever will be, will be. You know, different strokes for different folks and all of this kind of stuff. And yet, David was very sure. And he says, when I look at God's word, Everything from the precepts to the commandments to the law, guess what? They are all righteous. They are all good. They are all true. You see? That's a real comfort to my heart. You know? You know, my kids, my neighbors, my community can all come to me and say, this is wrong and that's wrong and whatever. I have an obligation to go back to the Word of God and, you know, use that as my measuring stick. You know? So that's what we have to do. So those are the, 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 the blessings of God's word. Now, he goes to the benefits of God's words in verse 10 through 14. 10 through 14. Now, just, again, listen carefully. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? In other words, who can have the ability to go in and look into their own heart and their own mind and decide what they are guilty of and what they are not? The word of God can. And acquit me of my hidden faults. And then 13. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression, it says. And then he caps it all off in verse 14. He says, let the med- words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What is happening here? He's outlining the benefits of God's word. He says that it is more valuable than gold. It's more desirable than gold. It is more, it's valued more than money or food. And I happen to know that here in Singapore, those are two top, <laughs> top of the line items, right? <laughs> Everybody in Singapore has got money on their mind. Everybody in Singapore has got, the secondly, food on their mind. All right? Some of you right now have food on your mind. Okay? And so those two things, he says, It is more desirable than even these things, he says. And then he goes on. He says that your servant is warned. And if we keep the words, there's a great reward. Then he says, in my own mind, my own imaginations, I can justify anything. Who can figure out my errors except the word of God? And he says, but what can acquit me? What can make me blameless and guilty? It's the word of God. And then he says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins and letting them rule over us, acquitted of great transgressions. And then when he closed it off, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I think in another way of saying this is David is saying to God, I've just said all this, God. I've just said these things. 
These are my reflections. These are my meditations about your work. And guess what? He says, I hope they please you. I hope they are accurate. Of course they are accurate. Of course they are accurate. And so, when we come to God, we must come to God's word with this kind of delight in us. You know, I enjoy God's word. I enjoy God's word. Now, that's because I don't enjoy reading Sports Illustrated or I don't mind reading, you know, uh, U.S. News Report and all that kind of thing. I read other stuff too, okay? But I love coming to the word of God because it says things to me in a way that strikes home and is for real. And so that brings us to what the summary of all this, what will you do or what are you willing to do? Will you or do you want to do these things? Again, this is for both the old and the new, for the young and the old and everybody in between. Let me ask you some questions. Do you desire his word more than wealth and food? Do you desire it more than that? There was a Chinese evangelist that used to come to, to town. And, you know, his motto, he, he became known for a motto. No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. That was his motto. And he came in and he drilled that into us in the time that he was with us. And he was trying to help us understand that the word of God is just is more important than breakfast is, more precious than food. And then, well, let me ask you another question. Do you find peace, hope, and satisfaction when we feed on God's word? Do we? Or are we all stirred up in ourselves? It may be that that's God's intention is to stir us up and to get us back on track. Number three, do you heed the warnings of the word and act upon them? Do you heed the words of, the, of God's word? And this is probably one of the things that uh, afflict most of us, isn't it? We read something in God's word, we rationalize it, and it's gone. We, we, we just put it aside. We say, oh, that's good for this person. I've got to share this with my friend. <laughs> I've got to share this with my wife. I've got to share this with my husband, you know, this kind of thing. I've got to share this with my kids. Everybody but ourselves, <laughs> you see? And it doesn't make sense because when God is speaking to us and we are studying his word, he is speaking to us. Having a healthy appetite for God's word is a sign of healthy, growing disciple of Christ. And so make learning God's word a priority. Make it a priority. Our friend David, our friend David said it so well. He says it so much better than, than anyone else could possibly say it. Psalms 119, verses 33 to 35. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is what David said, okay? This is a man after God's own heart now. Remember him? He said this. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Make it a priority to learn the word of God. But also make it a priority to live the word of God. Make it a priority to live the word of God. If you go to the book of James, the James, very familiar passage, but just very powerful. 
James chapter 1, starting with verse 21 and going to 22, okay? And it's 21 and 22. It says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Then jump down to verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Okay? And so that's the challenge of God's word is that we must be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. You know, as pastors go, I'm not really hard on you, honestly. I I mean, I have people coming to me that actually says, Pastor, you need to be harder on the people. You need to scold them. You know, some of you are smirking. I've never been a scolder, even to my own children. It's not in me. If I scolded you, you sit there and laugh at me. Because it doesn't come out right. It doesn't come out right. It's not my personality. But will I encourage you? Yes. Will I exhort you? Yes. And I love you that much that I am exhorting you to not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word of God. And so make it a priority to learn the word, but also make it a priority to live God's word so spend, God, spend time in God's word daily. Seek out, our, out opportunities. Surrender to the Holy Spirit to change you. Now, the next slide is an interesting slide. Would you flash that one up, please? Okay. I know that many, many of you are now converting over to, you know, gadgets and all kinds of things like that. If you go to this website, it's free. And you cannot believe all the stuff they got on this. And one of the things they have that is they have a plethora. They have many, many daily reading planning schedules. You just have to go there. I looked at it this morning again, and they've added some more different ways. They've got thematic reading plans. They have got book reading plans. They have many. They have the whole Bible in a year reading plan, so on and so forth. There are so many helps. It is incredible. They also have all the relevant Bible translations all in one place. You just pick it and you tell the, 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 whenever I open this website, I can go to a specific translation of the Bible. You know? Isn't that fantastic? That's fantastic. It's all at the fingertips. Now, some of you sitting out there would probably say, well, I don't have a computer. I don't know how to, to, to do this. Okay. I make you a promise. If you come to me or you come to the office, you come to Carrie, we'll show Carrie how to do this. Sorry, Carrie, didn't have time to show it to you. But if you come, we'll show you how we can print out stuff for you. We can print stuff out for you, okay? We don't want anybody to go away without getting into the Word of God. So take this one here, and you should be able to do it. Okay, so spend time in God's Word. So here we go. The devoted disciple of Christ, he craves, grows, and delights in God's word. There's no slide on this one, but in John chapter 8, verse 31, John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus puts a premium on this. And he says in verse, chapter 8, verse 31, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, 
had believed him. If you continue in my word, then you are truly truly disciples of mine. The word of God and a disciple cannot be separated. You can't sit there and look God in the face and say, I'm your disciple, and the word of God has no part in your life. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's an integral part of the life of a disciple. God's word is indispensable as evidenced also by such statements as John chapter 17, verse 17. In the Living Translation, it says this, Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. Or sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So this is the importance of God's word. As a true devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me challenge you with this last remark. Hunger and heed God's word. Like your life depended on it. Because it does. Because it does. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. As much time as we might spend in it, or as little time as we spend on it, we know that it can truly speak to us and to the needs of our hearts. Your word tells us that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to go places where no other instrument can go. Thank you, Father, for your word. Father, thank you for what it reveals to us, both about our salvation and our sanctification, both about how we come to faith in Christ and also how we should live for Christ. I pray this morning, Lord, that for this dear one who came this morning and perhaps was looking for some source of peace and hope and rest, that, Father, they would go to your word. That, Father, someone in the congregation would be led to go alongside and, Father, to share what God has to say about different matters. Oh, Lord, we love you. And if we love you, we'll keep your commandments. Father, thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.